You want these? You want to say, should we auction these off? Communion? Communion is valuable. Anybody? It's really good to be here. It was a lot of fun yesterday being with you guys. Sorry, I'm just getting set up here. I brought some people with me. Um, I want the people who came with me stand up, and I'll introduce them real quick. This is Jim. This is Nathan and Sarah. They go together. <laughs> and this is Chris back here. And actually, his parents came and his grandma came uh, this morning, and they graciously hosted us while we've been here. So it's been a wonderful experience. You guys can sit. And uh, I, like, I like Altoona. I like it. I, I, really, I, I really enjoyed our time when we went out yesterday and hit the street, prayed for people. I just had a sense that there's a ripeness here, that it's ripe for the pickings. And um, I want to encourage you guys to make the commitment, make the effort that you're going to go out and bring Jesus to people in your city because they need him. And they're open. So let me just, I just want to pray that for you guys. Father, I just thank you for what you're doing in this city. God, I thank you for the, like Derek showed me the picture of the prayer gathering of pastors this morning was happening. God, I just thank you for what you're doing among the churches. God, I thank you for what you're doing in shifting the spiritual atmosphere. And God, I bless this army here this morning to be encouraged and equipped and just endowed with boldness to live for the only thing that matters. It's you, Jesus. Amen. That was really good. We saw some neat things yesterday. Um, I'll just tell some stories. I was going to have some people come up and tell them, but I'll just tell you. Uh, one, one time it was really neat. Uh, Derek and I were together along with Nick, and um, we were at the train station, and we were praying for a guy, and it was really neat. God was, you know, giving some words of knowledge and, and just meeting this guy where he was, and then there's a couple across the street, and Derek's like, come over and get you some, because they asked, well, what are you guys doing? Come over and get you some. We're praying. You know, so they did. They, he drags his girlfriend across the street, and they came over, and we got to pray for them, and She's actually Muslim and being touched by the Lord. And, you know, um, we had a word for him, for his neck. Uh, we weren't sure which one it was, but one of them had a neck problem. And he's like, that's me. He's like, it goes right down here. And so Derek put his hand on him, just commanded the pain to go. And he's like, this is crazy. You know, how, what? And he was already a believer, but he was really excited, you know, just to be touched. And there were a lot of other stories um, Really good experience for those who, who came, and what, what was exciting, last night when we were sitting at um, Chris's parents' house, and we were watching football, but then we just started talking about things God is doing, and uh, it was neat. We got to pray for Chris, who's had neck problems from uh, playing football back in high school, and especially in the mornings when he wakes up, it's really bad, and uh, he also said that he had a... a a gluten allergy, and so we're like, well, let's pray for that, so we ended up praying for him, and he said he almost like fell forward when they prayed for his neck, 
just felt something. And then all the pain was gone. There's this little tightness. He woke up this morning, no more pain, right? And, you know, um, so he's like, I think I'm going to try a pancake, too, uh, <laughs> breakfast. So <laughs> you're, still, you're here, so it's good so far. Um, but, you know, that's the way this works. It all starts with someone being willing to step out, believe God, because we're all really good at finding all kinds of reasons to, to like, say God is good, but to not do what he says. And changing theologies to where he's not going to do something instead of him going out of his way to come to our planet and consistently show that he wants to do good things. Right? Even when his mom wanted him to do something and he didn't want to do it, make wine, at the, like he, he did it anyway. And the one woman who was the Syrophoenician woman, a Gentile, told, told Jesus, um, hey, I need you to drive the demon out of my daughter. And he said, I'm sorry, I just came for the Jews for now. And you know what? She got it anyway. He changed his mind because she had such a good response. Like even when he tried to say no, he still gave good things. He still honored people. He still showed his love. He still set people free. That's who he is. And when we start to step out like that and we start to share that with one another and we start to tell these stories and we start to get excited, you can have church in a living room when football's going on. You know, you can, in the TV in the background, you start praying for each other. God's everywhere. He's not limited to this space and time. And, uh, and the more that you do, the more people are touched. And the more that people are touched, the more this thing spreads. But it all starts with you being willing to believe God and do what he says. And believe he wants to, that he actually will do and wants to do what he said he would do. I better get into this or we're going to be here all day. I promise I won't keep you all day unless you want to stay after it's over. We'll keep praying. Um, I'll introduce myself. My name's Wade. I'm the lead pastor at the Muskingum Valley Vineyard Church, like you said, in Zanesville, Ohio. I've got a wife, and she is absolutely amazing, especially at helping me raise these five kids that we have um, that are eight years and younger. And, but she is amazing, and so we make, it, we make a good team. Um, I should say I try to help her raise them. She's, she's wonderful. She's wonderful. And I've been trying to do this thing that kind of Derek invited me out specifically to talk about power evangelism. I mean, to me, that's just one aspect of the Christian life. It's just living out, you know, what Jesus modeled and what he taught and sent us to do. But um, I've been, that kind of specific aspect, I've been trying to live out for maybe, I don't know, at least a, probably close to a decade, and I've been learning to pray for people face-to-face, like in church and stuff, for maybe the last 15 years. So this is, this is stuff I'm still learning in, but I've got some experience with, and, uh, but I just love to... I, I always find myself in situations where I don't know what to do, and it's always an opportunity to grow, right? God's always challenging me. But um, let me jump into this uh, topic, and then after I share a little bit, we're going to do some ministry and uh, I think God's really going to touch some people if you guys are hungry, if you want it.
God responds to your desires. And so let me pray and we'll jump in. So Father, I thank you so much for this amazing group of people. It feels like home. And just it's great to come to another Vineyard Church and just the authenticity, genuineness, just the, the, the simple love songs for Jesus. You know, that this is not a show. This is just about drawing near to you and honoring you with whatever we have to give. And so, Father, I just thank you for the opportunity to be here. And I pray that you would help us understand your timing this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So, anybody ever offered to pray for someone and they used this idea of God's timing as like a reason why God probably wasn't going to do something right then. Well, you know, he'll do it in his timing. Or it's probably, not, it's probably not God's timing. Anybody ever heard that? Anybody ever said that? Probably all of us, right? And if we're honest, um, most of the ways we bring up God's timing really flow not from a posture of faith and expectation, but of unbelief and limitation. And I'm not saying that God does not have times and seasons that the Bible talks about, right? Like there's a, there's, a, there's a time when Jesus is going to return. And, you know, there was a set time for the Israelites to be in captivity in Babylon, and then he was going to release them. Like God does have times and seasons, but what I want to talk about today is the context of God's timing regarding salvation and the aspects of salvation because the the greek word for salvation is very close to the greek word for to save and it means save heal deliver rescue make whole and when you see jesus come on the scene you see him doing all these things right He's forgiving people. He's delivering people. He's driving out demons. He's, uh, he's, he's uh, healing people, right? He's restoring wholeness into people's lives and relationships. I mean, this is what he came to do. So when I talk about salvations, the aspects of salvation, save, heal, deliver, make whole, rescue. You guys have probably heard like the word sozo, maybe the Greek word. And that's the word for save, and that's what it means. And so my goal is really to understand how the arrival, that you guys would understand how the arrival of the Savior who came to save and bring salvation, the Savior reinterprets God's timing for salvation. So you'll get it as I explain it. Can you turn in your Bibles to John 5? We're going to read the first nine verses. John chapter 5. You guys may know this story. The healing of the man at the pool of Bethesda. Let's read these um, first nine verses to get. Well, I'll read them to you. You can follow along. This is in the NIV 
1984 version. I'm actually going to read it from a digital version instead of my Bible because verse 4 is taken out and moved over into like the margin because that verse was probably added later, but uh, I have it here altogether. But let me read this to you. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, and they waited for the moving of the waters. And probably the reason this verse was added later was to help people understand why they were waiting here, because without this, it doesn't make any sense. This is why they were waiting. For from time to time, an angel of the Lord would come down and stir the waters. The first one into the pool after each such disturbance would be cured of whatever disease he had. You guys got that? Angel would stir the waters. First one in. You know, it's a race. First one in gets healed, gets made whole. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk at once the man was cured, and picked up, he picked up his mat and walked. Pretty cool story, right? Sounds like one of those Jesus stories. You probably could have predicted how that was going to end if you've heard other Jesus stories. So we have a man who's looking for an angelic encounter so he can be made whole, right? This paralyzed man, 38 years, been paralyzed. And instead, you have this guy, he has this guy, who he doesn't know who he is, come up and badger him. Do you want to get well? Like, yeah, that's why I'm here, probably. You know, Jesus comes up, and the way he asks this in the Greek, it's really strong. It's, do you really, really want to be well? And the man's been paralyzed for so long and infirmed. Like, infirm means like take away strength. Like, he's been powerless for so long. Even in his, in his response, he can't answer the question. All he can come up with is excuses. Right? He, he's lost, really, his hope that it's going to happen. But deep down in him is the desire to be well. But he's really suppressed that from disappointment, most likely. Jesus heals him, so the man is healed, he's made whole, it talks about the man being made whole, um, depending on what translation you look at, and, and this guy is rescued, he's rescued out of this posture, this infirmed posture that he's been in for 38 years. So the Savior brings salvation, right? We're all clear on that, salvation in the way that, the, like the Greek Word means the Savior comes and brings salvation to a man who needs it. Now, 
the word for from time to time in verse 4, from time to time an angel would come, that word is the word kairos. Anybody heard that word? Kairos, kairos. It means a fixed indefinite time marked by notable events or characteristics. Let me read it again. A fixed indefinite time marked by notable events or characteristics. This is definitely that, right? An angel comes at this special time. It's marked by this special event of an angel stirring the waters and someone being able to be healed. We might call that, that's a divine appointment, right? An angel comes and stirs the water and someone gets healed. That's it's a divine appointment. So, Kairos moments are like divine appointments, God's setups. And everyone was waiting around for a Kairos moment of salvation, right? They wanted to be whole, they wanted to be rescued, they wanted to be delivered, set free. But this day, instead of an angel coming and stirring the waters, this stranger shows up, Jesus. And he ends up doing what this guy had been longing for and setting him free. Something changed when the Savior showed up. When Jesus arrives on the scene, salvation became abundantly available, even though it wasn't that Kairos moment that the man was expecting. When Jesus shows up, when the Savior is present, it's no longer about a timeline. It's no longer about a pool, a location, special water. It's no longer about an angel. It's about Jesus, the Kairos man. Wherever Jesus went, he was, he was a Kairos moment looking for someone to encounter. Jesus was a walking divine appointment. Where Jesus went, when Jesus was on the scene, it was God's timing for salvation, right? Because it wasn't anymore about a time, it was about a person, the Kairos man. And so you see this in Acts 10.38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. That word for he went about doing good means he wandered around. Right? He's just walking around, but wherever he went, he was healing all and setting him free from the oppression of the devil. That's who Jesus is. When the God of Kairos is present, breakthrough can happen at any moment. You guys getting this? God made salvation fully accessible in the person of Jesus. It was no longer limited to special times and places. Let me give you another example. John 11, you don't have to turn there. John 11, 23 through 26. You guys know the story about Lazarus? Not the beggar, the one who was raised from the dead. Lazarus, the one who was raised. 
Well, you know, the story is basically Jesus is in a faraway town. Uh, Lazarus is Jesus' buddy, and Lazarus is sick. And so they send word to Jesus, knowing that he can heal. Remember, Jesus hung out with Mary and Martha. He'd hung out in Lazarus' household before this. They knew Jesus could help him. So they send word, but Jesus doesn't come back. He waits a while, and Lazarus dies. Then Jesus comes back. And when he shows up, Mary and Martha, Lazarus' sisters, are like, you could have helped him. We know you could have made him well. And here's a conversation right about there that Jesus has with Martha, the, uh, one of the sisters of Lazarus. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? So let me put this in my language just to make a point. Martha is, is in essence, is saying, I know he will receive life again in God's timing. I know there's a kairos moment, a fixed moment of the special event in the future of resurrection. I know that on that day he'll rise again. Jesus totally shifts the focus from the timeline to himself. He says, in my words, I am God's timing. I am the life. We're talking about the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. That's who she's talking with. The resurrection, resurrection life is present in me. I'm going to raise him now. Do you see the difference? This is a big deal. When it comes to the aspects of salvation we're talking about, if Jesus is present, that should totally change our paradigm of what to expect and what's possible now. We shouldn't put him off and say, I don't know if it's God's timing. We should, say, we should come with expectation because the Kairos man is present. Luke 4, 16 to 21 you guys know, probably, some of you may have heard that uh, Jesus, when he was getting ready to launch his ministry, stood up in his hometown synagogue, and he asked for a scroll, and he, they handed him the scroll, and this is what it says. This is, he opened it to the book of Isaiah, and it says this. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners in recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed. It sounds like a savior, doesn't it? It's like savior kind of work, right? To heal the blind, set the oppressed free, proclaim freedom. And to proclaim, this verse 19, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. Everybody looked at him, and, they began, and uh, then he said to him, to them, today this scripture is fulfilled 
in your hearing. In other words, there's a Kairos moment for this year of the Lord's favor, but Jesus is saying it's today. And by the way, Jesus was doing his earthly ministry for like three years, three and a half years. I thought it was a year of favor. (laughs) Well, he must have stretched that out to three and a half years. And then he sent the disciples to keep on going. And then later on, you have Apostle Paul say this in 2 Corinthians 6, 2. He says, for he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you, and in the day of salvation, I helped you. So Paul is referring to Kairos moment. And then he says, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. In other words, this year of the Lord's favor, he just dropped the year part. (laughs) It's not limited to a year. It's now. The Lord's favor is now. This year of jubilee where people go free is now. And I propose to you that it is still now. That today is still the day of salvation. That's why I expect that we're going to see God do some things when we pray here in a couple minutes. So let me wind down here. I want to talk to you about becoming Kairos people. When you encounter the Kairos Kairos man, Jesus, you can become a Kairos person. John 20, 21 through 22 says, this this is uh, Jesus talking to his disciples, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Which means in the same way that the Father has sent me, I am sending you for the same purpose. And then he equipped them. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. What did he just do? He just empowered them to become Kairos people. If you have the Spirit of God living in you, you have the Spirit of the Savior living in you. Salvation is present when you're here because of who you carry. Anything can happen because Jesus lives in you. His spirit is in you. You guys may have heard in John 14 that Jesus says, anyone, not just pastors, not just superstars, not anyone who believes in me will do what I've been doing. That passage is in the context of miracles. And then he drops this one and they'll do even greater things. Why? Because we're Kairos people. His spirit lives in us. What he did, he's still doing. And he's doing it for the glory of the Father. So that means you become a walking divine appointment and you get to bring God's answers to the d- deepest desires and needs of the world that's crying out that may not even be able to acknowledge what their needs are because they've 
repressed them so much and have been disappointed so long. Remember the man at the pool? It's a whole world full of people like that going through life powerless, infirmed. They're waiting for a special moment. But what if that moment is present when you're present because the God of Kairos is present when you're present? Salvation is present because the Savior is present when you're present. You become a divine intersection between heaven and earth. You are a walking divine appointment. The more you believe that, the more you're going to start to see that. And by the way, what I'm talking about is not like hidden off in the corner in the Bible. I'm not like taking one verse and trying to make a case. It is consistent from the time of Jesus all through the letters. It's, it's everywhere. You have to read with the special lens on to miss it. That this is who we are. This is what we're called to do. We're the body of Christ, right? And the head, Christ, is leading us. He's just continuing his mission. There's just a lot more of us now. The harvest is ripe, but we need more laborers. That's what Jesus said to pray for. I'll tell you a quick story, and then we'll do ministry. Is that okay? Get on time. Um, I was in a, um, eating lunch at a restaurant that happened to be at a country club, so there was a bar there, and a lady came in with her daughter, her daughter was probably, you know, mid-twenties, uh, the lady, uh, had a cane, or this is like this walking stick kind of cane, it was kind of funky looking. So uh, the guy I was with, myself, walked over and said, what? what's this stick for? And she got real kind of like defensive. And she, she said, she held it up. She's like, I'm a ninja. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. And I said, uh, oh, really? Like, why do you have that? And she just kind of looks at me like, do I trust this guy? Do I want to tell him? And let me tell you why. I found out later she had been a waitress for like 25 years in that bar. And when you work in a bar for 25 years, you may become skeptical of what people want from you, especially guys, right? And so she was a little skeptical. She kind of looked at me and she decided she'd at least tell me what happened. And she said, well, I have horses and I was on the the fence goes around the horse pasture. And I fell and my leg got caught and it shattered my ankle. They had to put it back together with all these screws and metal and, you know, take these um, uh, bones from a cadaver and grind them all up and make this paste that they could recreate bones and stuff for her to put her ankle back together. She showed me a print of an x-ray she had in her purse. I said, man, that sounds really tough. And um, I said, well, you know, I, I'm a Christian, and I believe God still heals today, and I wondered if I could pray for you. And she said, um, yeah, all we're Christians, too, or they believe in God or something, you know. Some, you hear that a lot. 
And uh, I said, well, good. Do you mind if I pray? And she said, well, I don't think, it'll, I don't think anything will happen. I said, well, can I tell you a story? Because I think it was that same week. This was a few years ago, this story. I think it was that same week or the week before I had just spoken at a, a Muskingum University, the Campus Crusade, it's now called Crew, uh, meeting. And there's a you know, young woman there, a student, and she had had an ankle problem and her bones were fused together like since birth and so it caused her pain and problems. And we ended up praying with her. And she walked out of there without her crutches and was putting weight on it. It was really cool. I was still excited about it. So I said, well, let me tell you a story about an ankle I just saw, you know, God touch. And so she was very skeptical of that story and said, she basically said, I'd have to see it to believe it, maybe dropped a swear word in there. And uh, (laughs) I said, well, you know, can I pray? Maybe we'll see it. You have to see it to believe it. She's like, okay, you can pray. I think she realized I wasn't just going to walk away. <laughs> so I prayed, uh, and I got down right there at the bar. People were watching us get down, put my hands on her foot, and start praying. She said, I feel something. I feel like a tingling in my ankle. I said, that's awesome. So let me pray again. So I kept praying and just inviting the Holy Spirit to you know, heal this ankle. And she, um, she starts crying. Now, when you get from where she started to like crying, you know the Holy Spirit's working. Because I didn't talk her into, I didn't tell her a story that made her cry. I didn't, do, you know, it was all God. I'm just praying. And um, she had showed she had showed me earlier, she had this like leaf spring thing she just got that goes on her shoe and her ankle and or up kind of on her calf muscle and that was going to give her the support. She was in physical therapy at the time. She, she sa- I said, well, can you try it to do something you couldn't do before and see what's happening with it? And she said, well, I'm at the point where I'm just um, getting to where I can kind of walk with this stick and, uh, and this leaf spring thing. I said, well, she's like, I could try to walk without those things. I said, great. She said, well, let's go over to the other room. So they had this banquet hall in there that they're redoing, and we went over there. She starts walking slowly without it, zero pain in her foot. Now, she wasn't like, you know, doing this yet, but she, uh, she was bending her foot in ways she couldn't before that, which is pretty exciting. And um, her daughter was in there, and her daughter just starts crying. And she's kind of fair-skinned, and, you know, she just started, like, getting kind of splotchy, you know? She's crying. Like, she wasn't trying to hold it back. Like, God was on her. And uh, so we prayed for him a little more, and then I turned to the daughter, and I said, I think God has something for you. And I started praying for her, and I saw in my mind a picture. And it's this picture of, um, this was a couple weeks after Valentine's Day. And so in my mind, I associated this with Valentine's Day, and I saw like a big hand setting these roses on her front doorstep, and the door was open. And so I said, I see this picture 
you know, I think God loves you. <laughs> and she just started crying even more. And she said, she said, I've been praying and asking God to reveal himself to me. And then when she said that, the Lord spoke to me and said, you guys are the flowers I sent to her. And her heart is open to receive. And the Valentine's Day Association was that this is a love message to her, that I love her. This was a divine appointment. God set this up. He was responding to the deep desires of her heart, and she was undone because she knew it was God. Then some other waitresses came in because this lady used to work with them and said, well, what, what's going on in here? And she's like walking around, like, look at me walk, you know, without her cane and stuff. And they're like, that's amazing. I said, can we pray for you guys? They said, sure. I got a couple words of knowledge for lower back stuff. Um, one of them was healed instantly. The other one, she didn't really have pain in her back. She just had kind of a coming and going pain because she had fallen down some steps and injured it. And now, like at different times, it still bothers her. And I just had a hunch. This wasn't a word of knowledge, you know, like divine insight. This was just a hunch. I said, well, do you maybe have one leg that's shorter than the other? And she said, I don't know. So we had her sit down. Sure enough, it's like a quarter inch different. Her leg was shorter. And a lot of times you have those injuries like that, and then it'll tilt the axis of your hips or something gets stretched out or injured. And so we end up praying for her. Uh, her leg grew out. And these ladies were giddy, and they were really excited. And at the end, they said this. And they said, where have you guys been? We could have used you guys when, you know, we're going through this hard thing, or when, you know, our marriage fell apart, or when, the, like, where have you guys been? And at first, it, you know, it's kind of like, you know, they're just making small talk or whatever. But when I left, I felt that really weigh on me. If we carry around the Savior. Where have we been? Where has the church been? Like there's no shortage of needs out there. But we hold back. I hold back. I still hold back. But I'm moving towards more and more, giving more away. You get to be God's love message, God's love letter, the roses to someone out there who's crying out to God. And there are people out there who are waiting for you to show up. All right. Jesus is the Kairos man. He's still bringing salvation. And he lives in us by his spirit so we can bring the goodness of salvation in his name wherever we go.